Okay, people, man, it is the last day of the London Film Festival, day 12, right? Um, yeah, so much, so much fun. Oh, man, it's been so much fun. Um, but yeah, so we've got for you, um, the last film of the festival, but, but, had to, had to do something else as well, so I'm going to start off with a non-festival film, okay, um, we're going to be going with a film called The Village in the Woods, alright, then, um, then we're gonna do, then it's all festival, okay, so I'm gonna bring you the Irishman review and we're going to have an interview with um, the director of Baby Teeth, Shannon Murphy. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So this is our non-festival film, Village in the Woods. OK, people. So, um. A film that I watched this week is The Village in the Woods. Now, this is the new film from Rain McCormack. Um, he directed, he also co-wrote the film with John Horshmachmeyer. Uh, the film stars Richard Hope, Therese Bradley, um, Rebecca Johnson... Phil Martin, Robert Vernon, Sidney Keane, Katie Alexandra Fawn, Timothy Harker, Chloe Bailey, and Beth Park. Uh, and the gist of the film is this. Every village, every person has a secret. No more so than the inhabitants of this isolated murky village whose fate relies on the luring of two unsuspecting pawns to satisfy their appetite and determine their being. Uh, yeah, doesn't give much away, right? But I guess with with this type of film, that yeah, you... You can't really say too much Because um, Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to kind of spoil um, Now, I don't really I'm not a big horror fan um, I mean I think mean, a lot of the time it's just because You know, it, it's not really horror It's just gore porn You know um, And yeah, I, I just think sometimes, like, why? You know, why do I want to shit myself up? <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, that's the thing. But I do like a good thriller. But, um, yeah, I agree to what, review this, um, which, uh, you know, I think I hadn't noticed it was a horror before I opened my big mouth. <laughs> but, you know, it, look, it starts off... Starts off well, like, I, I always kind of feel, look, if a film starts with people driving into mist, okay, we could have a live one here, 
you know what I mean? And I think one of the things I really liked about this was you didn't have the stupidness. You know what I mean? It, you didn't start off with people being stupid. The people started off doing the things that you would think, all right, this would be the best way to go if you break down in the middle of nowhere and it's misty as hell. You know what I mean? So it, the film was kind of using logic and I like that. You know, it, it, it didn't go for the dumb, the dumb, stupid, crazy. Uh, so yeah, that was all very appealing to me So we have this That's our kind of getting into what happened And the weird thing was um, There's a kind of mm, There's a kind of stiltedness to some of the dialogue and the speech But when certain things are revealed you know, I, I think it kind of makes sense Because there's a lot of nerves happening in this film You know what I mean? It, it, it's not like, hey, everyone's carefree and fancy um, Carefree and fancy free? No, that's not right But you know the expression, people You know what I'm trying to say um, Yeah, there's a lot on the line here And I feel that is kind of when you when you realize that i think the speech makes sense um he's creepy it is very friggin creepy and off putting that's yeah that's definitely something that is um apparent and yo McCormack um yeah, he uses these really weird cutaways a lot of the time So you'll have, like, a person staring into the mirror So you just get their reflection Or, um, you know, just this weird something Like this weird hanging thing And the camera's on that for a few seconds And then it cuts And... and all of that really did help to kind of build the weirdness and the tension here. So, I, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. It, it's got a weird kind of uh, uh, a tone to it, like visually. It's a bit dirty, it's a bit grimy, it's a bit murky, which helps with the story for sure. And um, we've got good acting. You know, like, I think everyone, yeah, everyone kind of plays to their character. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, because, yeah, when you first watch it, you'd be like, oh, they're kind of a bit weird. They're a bit, you know, they seem a bit off. But then it's just like, oh, right, that's that character. Yeah, obviously they're going to be a bit weird. Obviously they're going to be a bit off. So it all... Worked. I it, oh, yeah. I feel this film definitely does work on um. Yeah, what it's trying to do, the story it's trying to tell. Now, obviously, wait, wait. You know what I mean? You're watching the film and 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 things unfold, and you're kind of yeah. You're probably gonna think to yourself, wait, why the fuck 
are they going to, you know what I mean? And then also, surely you you would notice your hand, right? Surely, but I think those things you can kind of, you can give a pass to. You know what I mean? You can be like, all right, whatever, that's fine. All right, you know what I mean? I'll, 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 I'll say... You know, I won't pass too much judgment on that fact. I won't let that fact spoil this for me. I would say, though, that at the end, um, I think we should have seen more. Now, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying, like, you know what I mean? I, I needed to get all the, the dirty, gritty, you know what I mean? Of what happens Because you couldn't imagine what happens But I think More should have been shown Of Of the build up To it So we don't have to like Show the night of But the build up To the last few moments I think that would have Really put the stamp On how Like just Bad shit had gotten You know But I do like that The last kind of visage we see Is a shot uh, You know what I mean Is a kind of a um A version of an earlier shot You know Because it's kind of like Oh Right A circle I see You know So I, I, I think yeah, I like that. Um, now, yeah, I, because I don't watch a lot of horrors, it's hard to kind of go what this is similar to. Um, but I would say, look, if you like creepy, weird, kind of suspensey, horror-y stuff, um, I think this will be for you, you know? Maybe The Gift... That old film with, um, like, I think Keanu Reeves and I think Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. Um, but, yeah, it was in the 90s, man. It was a 90s weird kind of horror-y kind of film. Um, so, yeah, maybe that. If you like that, you'd like this. But, uh, yeah, if, if you like kind of weird little indie horror films, you know, that are kind of suspense and just odd and creepy, then, yeah. I think this is for you, okay? So it's um yeah, the village in the woods. And people, it is out on digital download on Monday the 14th of October, okay? Um it's 82 minutes. So yeah, not long, not too long, right? And it's rated 15. So, uh, yeah, there you go um, You'll be able to get it from the usual spots You know what I mean? iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Google Store All of those places, okay? So, uh, yeah, if horror weirdness is your thing Check out the new film um, from Rain McCormack Because, yeah, I think you might like it, all right? Okay, so, now you've had that, 
It's time for our London Film Festival footage, our coverage, right? So, let's get into it, alright? Here is The Irishman. We're going to start off with um, the uh, so Scorsese, De Niro, Cartel, Pacino, and a lot of the other cast were at the screening and they did a little thing at the beginning so we're going to start off with that and then we're going to go into the review okay let's go And Anna Packle. And Stephen Graham. Who's That Knocking At My Door, which is now a BFI player. Um, no, well, and Alex well, an doesn't live here anymore. Juvenalia. 
you guys have worked together for so long. What's it like coming back together to work together? You're asking me? Harvey. Oh, Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> I never looked at it that way he came apart. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think he's still making the same movie. Who's that knocking at my door? Yeah. He's trying different versions of it. <laughs> so anyway, it was great to be back together great to see you guys back together and Al also um, this is the first time that it's unbelievable because it feels like so natural that you guys should be working together but it is the first time you've worked together had you heard of him before first of all and I was so busy working making films I never heard of a guy <laughs> no of course I did I've, I've heard from my whole life and uh, I always wanted to work with him we almost did it a couple of times yeah. and uh, we came close, and, uh, and now I'm working with him. It was a thrill. And really, it was one of the great experiences of my life. Yeah, it was like De Palma got you. De Palma got, <laughs> got me, and I was like, there we got it. That was it. He got it. <laughs> well, we had tried, but I met you back in 1970. Francis Coppola in France. I know, I know that. I was telling my mother about you, being a doctor. It was before they wouldn't let you in the park, remember, because you hadn't been in a film. That's right. So this is my life story right here. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm somehow ready for it. Let's go, man. Yeah, let's do it. So anyway, I first met him. <laughs> well, thank you, but it was a great honor, really, to be with these guys and, and the whole thing. Amazing thing, really. Um, and Robert, it, I know the project is something that you have, have been developing with Martin for a while. It also looks like it was an incredible privilege to work with so many different actors. Can you speak a little to both of those things, the development from the book and also working with these great collaborators? Well, Marty and I you had been wanting to do something for, for a, a while. And there was a little stretch, a big stretch of time when we weren't, but we was let's do this. And somehow we came up, it came up the, this movie out about this hitman from out in California and so on. And we got it up and going. And so Greenlit film at Paramount, and Marty was showing me um, uh, like a Jean Gabin film in black and white, uh, and just to get into the styles of you know looking at stuff and how he's going to think of doing it. And I said, Well, I've got to look at this book that I heard about a couple of years earlier when I was talking to uh, Eric Roth and told me about it. Oh, heard you paint houses, and there was the, about a hitman that I said for research, and I read it. And once I read it, I immediately got a hold of Marty, and I said, You got to read this because uh, it's like. I think it's something that we should really consider. And that's how it was. And so then as it went on, and ideally we got Al and Joe, and so it was perfect. And then Harvey later, but it was, you know, it was a great thing for us. And Martin, it's it's really a sort of all, it's the Harlem Globetrotters, it's all-star cast, Steve Zalian adapted. Steve Zalian and Sprint, yeah. Incredible. And I worked together over the years yeah. on a number of projects and thought of him immediately. And, I don't know, somehow we got together and started talking about it. I mean, look, this film is of a uh, rather substantial duration, so I don't want to take up too much time. Until <laughs> how, you know, but I mean, it all came together, but you know, the, the thing was, it's over the years, we hadn't worked together since Casino, 1995, Bob and I, so what, what's important here is maybe what it, what you could perceive, I hope, is that it's, it's something that we all felt the word is right. We, we felt this was the right one to, to spend the time at this point in our lives on, really. Um, and so uh, we were lucky it all came together, and thanks for Netflix putting it together for us. Right. Well, it's a perfect place to leave you. Congratulations. 
It's just Scorsese, entire team, an incredible film. Thank you so much. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, people, so I am just out of the closing night gala for The Irishman. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm, look, I'm guessing people know, have heard of this film. You know what I mean? You might not have seen a trailer. You might not have read up on it. But there's been buzz about this for the longest time, man. For the longest time. Alright, so here is the uh here's the nitty-gritty, right? So it is directed by Martin Scorsese. Scorsese also produced the film along with Robert De Niro, Jane Rosenfall, Emma Tilgner Koshkoff, Irvin Winkler, and Gerald Chamalese, Gaston Pavlovic, and Randall Emmett. Stephen Zalian was the screenwriter. And, um, geez, I mean, the cast is bananas for this. All right, so you've got Robert De Niro, you've got Anna Papquin, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. Um, Jesse Plemons, Harvey Cartel, Bobby Cannavale, Stephen Graham, Aleska Palladino, Jack Houston, Catherine Naduki, Dominic Lombardzo, Sebastian Malalaco, Ray Romano, Jack Hoffman. You know what I mean? The cast is bananas, people. Okay, so the breakdown is this. Who killed Jimmy Hoffa? A labor leader and the infamous head of the Teamsters Union, whose connections with organized crime were wide-ranging. His career ended with a conviction for jury tampering, attempted bribery, and fraud, but he was pardoned by President Nixon in 1971. Not long after, he disappeared, declared legally dead in 1982. Various theories have circulated as to what happened to him, Few are as convincing as that told by Frank the Irishman Sheenan. The account he revealed to journalist Charles Brandt and published in the 2004 book I Heard You Paint Houses is the basis of this riveting epic crime drama. Written by Gangs of New York collaborator Stephen Zalian, also wrote Schindler's List, Scorsese's The Irishman weaves an engrossing and intricate web of connected events, audaciously cutting back and forth across decades. Presented through the prison of Sheeran's memoirs of his criminal past, the film used state-of-the-art visual effects to de-age the cast from their 70s through their 30s. The seamless 
post-production allows Scorsese to bring together a favoured Mejwat cast. Oh, Mejwat. I think that's Megawatt. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that. Yeah, I was thinking, what the fuck is Mejwat? <laughs> Gosh, okay, um, yeah, <laughs> together a favoured mega what cast, all on exceptional form. The former Goodfellas pairing of De Niro and Joe Pesci, who came out of retirement to do this, as I remember back, and it's like 20, I forget if it's 2013 or beginning of 2014, Pesci had retired. It was like no longer making films. Then when all of this was coming together, it was like, and Pesci. And it was just like, what? Damn. Okay. But yeah, um, De Niro and Pesci alongside Harvey Cartel, Stephen Graham, Anna Paquin, Jesse Plemons, Bobby Carnavale and Ray Romano. Al Pacino appearing for the first time in a Scorsese film gives a gives a performance as Jimmy Hoffa so good you'll want to watch scenes again straight away. Not least the many two-handers with Pacino's Hoffa and De Niro's Irishman Sheeran, whose friendship forms the heart of the film. What a way to close a London film festival with a total showstopper. Um, yeah, you know, this, this is crazy, man. And also, right, so this is um, the ninth feature collaboration between De Niro and Scorsese. And their first since Casino that came out in 1995, which... Jeez, I mean, like when I heard that, I was just like, yo, that dates a motherfucker, right? Man, you just think, oh, Casino, that can't have come out that long ago, right? Um, it's the full film to star both De Niro and Pacino following Godfather Part 2, Heat and Righteous Kill. It's the fifth to star both De Niro and Pesci. Following Raging Bull, Once Upon a Time in America, and Goodfellas, and Casino. Um, yeah. So, you know what I mean? This film had so many expectations on it. You know, it was just... Man, people were just like, how is this film going to be? And also, like, it's a Netflix film. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's a Netflix film, it's three hours, and like with all, when people heard about all the de-aging and de-aging and all of that, there was a lot of expectation, because you know what I mean, when we've seen a de-aging and stuff, like sometimes it works, sometimes Sometimes it looks kind of ropey You know what I mean It looks kind of ropey sometimes 
So, yeah, you had all of that. And thinking about it as well, right? So, I think the last really good film, I think, for me, De Niro was in, was 2012. 2012. Silver Lining Playbook, people. Now, yes, he's been in films since that. I heard Joy... 2015 was really good Haven't seen it Haven't seen it. I've got it Just I haven't had the time to see it You know what I mean Um, Like American Hustle eh, It was okay But I, it, I wanted it to be better You know So Yeah Right this is Big and I know De Niro is in Joker, but yeah, that's to come hopefully next week. So yeah, you you had all of that. There was all of that crazy, right? On the flip with Scorsese, man, the last the last things that I really enjoyed from Scorsese were TV. You know, so like Broadwalk Empire, um, and Vinyl. Which, yeah, really enjoyed those um, Yeah, the, the rest, I, I can't remember The, um, you know, he's executive produced a lot of stuff um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, you know um, Wolf of Wall Street That was probably the last film yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, that was probably the last film that I thought was really good. But, um, listen, forget all that, because The Irishman, yo, The Irishman is everything. This film is just... Man, take all your expectations and, yo, this, uh, it, it, it meets everyone, everyone, and, you know, probably exceeds them as well. This film is exceptional. It is a fantastic film, you know what I mean? Just, look, I, there's no point mincing words, okay? It's, um, man, it's just like the tone, the way it is shot. Like the first scene is just, you know, because it, you're, you're back and you, it's like you're looking in through a window and then you pan forward into the scene. Which I just thought that was nice And like the film has this kind of Man it's just got this old feel to it Like you know it's not sepia But it's you know it's got that That tint to the grain So you do get that feel that is of that time period It is just yeah, the, the, the shots are, man, there's just some lovely shots, some really lovely shots, and I think stuff that is, you kind of 
put with a Scorsese film. You know, like when a character appears for the first time and some text appears that probably tells you stuff about them. That's the one pain about seeing things in the cinema. That text is hard to see. (laughs) So, yeah, I will be watching this on Netflix to try and pick up on a lot of that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's just got those... Just it has that Scortese touch to it. I think you could not know who directed it, watch it and be like, yo, that's a Scorsese film, man. Um also, like just the acting is phenomenal. It's phenomenal acting. Just everyone Oh man, they just step up in just such a huge way Like, this is one of the best performances Like, all of these cats have given De Niro, phenomenal Pacino, incredible Pesci, just still scenes Man, Keitel Again, fantastic Bobby Cannavale You're just so convincing So convincing Everyone is just fantastic You know, like no one is terrible Ray Romano is just a killer You know, like he's a killer in this It's, It's so... Enjoyable, so enjoyable just to see these amazing people on screen just giving you just these performances and bouncing off each other. Going just the way everyone is working off each other, you're just like, God damn, this is impressive. It, it It's just, yeah, to just to see this, you're, you're like, oh man And listen, right, the film is three and a half hours Three and a half hours And at no point did I find myself like, oh, I, I just want to, I need to get out of here I need to, uh yeah, I need to go. You're just engrossed. Like I've never heard this story. Never heard it. Yuri, like the name, like Jimmy Hoffa, the name. It it comes up. You know what I mean? It come like you hear the name. You you know in passing, but I don't know any of this really. You know, like the the Kennedy stuff. I've 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 heard about the Kennedy stuff. You know, in like the way that they were they got into. You know, the dad used connections to get his sons voted in, and then the sons went after the people that voted them in. Like you know, what I mean, help getting them into power. Like I've heard all of that. You know, but it's just like. Yeah, to to have this engrossing story, it, it you know it's just it's just so encapsulating. 
like from the beginning I was in you know I was just so captivated with just the way this was told and you know so it starts off with um Sheenan in an old people's home and then we're jumping like we jump back a bit in time then we jump back even further in time and then it jumps a bit between like the first jump and then the second jump so you're you're flip-flopping between those for a bit on the other occasion coming back to the old time and it works look I've seen plenty of films where you have interspersing between time periods and it doesn't always work. There have been plenty of times when it's just like, oh, God damn it. This is so convoluted. You know, like this is way too complicated. You know, they're just jumping around to make themselves look good. Like it it shouldn't be like this. There's no need for it to be like this. But this film, like everything makes sense. You know, the storytelling devices all make sense. And it all helps bring you in to have you connected to these characters. These aren't good people. You know what I mean? Like these people are terrible. But you do find yourself rooting and caring and being like, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, no, I hope that doesn't. You know what I mean? You're in. You are in from the giddy up, people. You know what I mean? There's no denying. It's that good a film. Like, yeah, I went with my friend Tash and... um, yeah, when it all finished, I'm like, yo, what did you think? She's just like, yeah, loved it. And I'm just like, three hours, right? And she's just like, and I'm like, yo, you don't notice, right? And she's like, no, you just don't notice. I don't, I didn't hear anyone leave the screening, um, like disgruntled. Everyone thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Um, look, I also have to give mad props to um, Lucy Galina. Lucy Galina. Now, she played um, a younger Peggy Sheenan, who, you know, the older version is played by Anna Packin. But, yeah, Lucy Galina played the younger version when she was, um, like, 7 to 11. And... This performance was so good. The, like the what made this performance so good because she doesn't talk a lot. She's a shy little girl, and she, uh, you know, like everything is physical. Like you know, what I mean, just the facial expressions, the way she's like standing and cowering and holding herself, like that, really brings that character to life. It's just, and she just nails it, nails it. It was a fantastic performance. Oh, and also, 
hey, it was great to see um, Jim Norton. Jim Norton is in the film. He made the cut because, like, listening to um, his podcast, you know, I mean, um, UFC Unfiltered with um, Matt Serra comes out Mondays and Wednesdays, people. Um, yeah, like, he's always he's been talking about, you know, what I mean, going and doing this, and he's like, oh, I don't know if I made the cut. Oh, have I made the cut? So, you know, what I mean, going in, I was not sure if he was going to be in it. He was in it and killed it. Killed it. It was. It was. It's not a long part, but it, it's a good part, man. It's, it's just a nice little role. Yeah. Just as I said, look, no one drops the ball here. No one drops the ball. This is. You need to see it. You need to see it. And. Right, because today is the last day of the um, London Film Festival, unfortunately. But here's the biz, people. So, if you're in the States, Canada, um, it will be released on the 1st of November. Okay, so yeah, the, the ther- theoretical run starts on the 1st. In the um, in the UK, um, so that starts on the um, it's the eighth, eighth of November. Then now, like yeah, so these dates are slightly different in other countries, like Japan is hitting you on the fifth, um, Spain fifteenth, Denmark twenty first. Then people everywhere is getting it on the 27th of November when it hits Netflix. Okay, so um, listen, right? If this makes the window, this film is definitely going to be up for awards. There's no doubt this film wouldn't be up for awards. And I'm like, Scorsese, Zillion... The cast, all the cast could be up for, like, best actor, actress, supporting actor, all of that. Like, the, the costume designers, like, the this film could hit so many categories because it is that damn good, okay? It's an 18, so, you know, be mindful of that, people. But, yeah, The Irishman... Martin Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, Pacino, Cartel, like yo, the the it's it's their best shit. It's their best shit for a long ass time. This film is phenomenal. I, yeah, it is up there with um you know the the, the best films of this festival. So I need to ruminate and I will be breaking that down on another podcast, all my picks from the festival. But yeah, people, go see The Irishman when it hits a cinema or if you can't, 27th of November, Netflix all day, baby. All right. Okay, people, as promised, on top of those reviews 
we also now have a great conversation with director Shannon Murphy. She had a film in the festival, Baby Teeth, um, which was phenomenal. It was such a great film. Um, and you can find out about that in um, episode... Um, which one was that? That was... Uh, Five, yeah, that was volume five So, um, yeah, if you want to uh, hear that review You can go back to that episode um, But yeah, had the um, great pleasure to talk with her um, It was part of a round table um, Which happens sometimes You know, when there's not enough time You do reviews with a group of people Interviews with a group of people Fortunately, it was with just one other person. I didn't catch that girl's name, so I haven't been able to credit her in the piece. And she did talk so quietly. So, um, yes, <laughs> that will be the other voice you will be hearing in this. But I, I was able to ask enough questions, and I think Shannon... Um, found them interesting so yeah sit back and um check this out people i hope you like it you took part in this gender panel in venice no i didn't take part no no that was jan chapman you were like on the list to take part in it no jan chapman the executive producer that you're right some some article did say i was i was not on that panel but jan chapman my executive producer who did the piano she was on that panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Um, but 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 also, I also read that you kind of it was a surprise for you to bring up the subject kind of because you were always the only female. No, it's not a surprise. It's just really annoying because even though it's something that I obviously feel really strongly about, it's obviously something that I've been up against for quite a while in my journey of being a director. And it's uh, but I wasn't surprised to be one of the only two female directors. And um, you know, many times in my theatre life, I was the only female, often at times in a in a season, or one of very few. Um, and so I've been noticing and experiencing that trend for quite some time now. Is it changing now? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And do you think that, for example, parity? I mean, fifty-fifty to make it kind of like institutional can help out for the female directors to to make their movies and to work? Because usually I also work like for short films as a uh, as a selector for. Uh, short film festival and I can see how many female directors there are at short films and then getting to this feature film is like a huge yeah it's that, but it's that classic thing right it's like women are allowed to you know for want of a better word do the smaller projects or do the work behind the scenes or in the kitchen so to speak but then when it comes to actually being at the top where you're the main boss then everyone gets a bit like oh oh no not you know not that you can stay in this little area but don't ever climb too high please that's a little bit of the trend that happens across the board in all fields and so that um is why the quotas can really help because they go you don't actually have a choice you have to let these people step up into feature films 
or in Australia we have a, a thing about all um, heads of department. It's not just for the director. You, you, if you do a 50-50 split, there's a real incentive for money from the government. So it's that's working really well. Um, but I, uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm also sick of the the sort of slight feeling I sometimes get from people, which is never said directly to me, but it's definitely the subtext, which is that you're you're there because you're a woman, and that's yeah. fucked up, you know. So I go, that's where it gets complicated with the quotas. But I do think overall, what they do is gonna. Yeah, it's important. I kind of feel it's been a, like there's a similar thing with like minorities. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's 100%. like you get the quotas to employ so many black people in a company and very very and so sometimes you're there and you're the only one and you know you're the only one because of this initiative which is rubbish but you need a job so it's a bit like don't like it but I'm glad I'm working but it's kind of one of those things where sometimes it's just like okay right I understand why they're there but I can't wait for the time when we can get rid of them there's no more barriers and people are just in positions because of talent and And that's what frustrates me about the questions because what it does and I'm not saying that your question frustrates me but what my point was at Venice was that when every article about Haifa Mansour and I was about the fact that we were women in the competition instead of the fact that I mean particularly for our film first time writer first time producer first time director in main competition that should have been the title not the fact that we were women because then it overshadows everything and also it, it put it in like a negative light when actually it was an incredible celebration for the rest of us so that's annoying and then it also allows the conversation to constantly be about that which just puts everyone in one box yeah. or just female filmmakers or like minority you know female um, minority filmmakers or whatever it is and instead of going who's this individual who is this artist because that's what's interesting and that's how we can break away from the discussion just being about that even though it's essential yeah well baby baby teeth was I didn't know what to expect. Didn't I didn't know what to expect going in. And I enjoyed the film so much. And look, I, I've said it in my review that, that I think my review went out yesterday. So it, it's there. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it was you're in front of me. But it's the film I thought the film was so dysfunctional. But it was but I, and that's not an insult. It because everything was on this raw nerve of emotion, and at first you're like, "What's going on?" Like you because you know something's going on, but you don't know. Is she on the spectrum? Is she just kind of an outsider? Like what is the reasoning here? And then you kind of get an inkling, okay, I think she's ill, but you don't know what severity. But it's a bit like, then you kind of understand that, like, look, this is living in the moment. This is living for now. So it's not about waiting. So it's just like, I want to go here. I'm going here. So it gives the film this kind of like, well, we're here, we're here, we're here. But it was such a joy. It was such a joy just to sit and watch this thing kind of develop. Like, how the hell do you plan that? Oh, that was such a nice uh, review. Um, 
I think it's about staying true to that script and honouring what that script was doing and what it needed in terms of you know, Rita wrote this about her friend. It was inspired by. It's completely not autobiographical in any way, or you know, biographical. And she said that this friend of hers who was ill, you know, would spend time staining her lips with you know um, berries every day and staying completely in the moment and honouring where she was. And I thought we just have to do that. And then I always think your process has to reflect the project. And so. You know, um, my team were all very uh, energetic in the moment, really grounded people, and I do believe in just responding on the day. And you know, you do so much prep, but then at the end of the day, you've got to let it be raw and fly mm. free. And that's the only way you're going to get those kind of authentic performances and set up things where it it helps for that. And 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 you know, know every actor quite intimately so that you can get them to to go there when you need them to. And I yeah. think, you know, Miller's got a lot to say about the world without saying that much. You can yeah. feel it, what she's um, what she's teaching us in some ways. And um, and I, I really, yeah, but the power of her message was something that was really important to me. So through letting the audience just feel like they're experiencing someone's life and, and then coming to their own conclusions is what I wanted to to do but dysfunction is real for me like I just go don't we all just have in some form or another really dysfunctional lives and I, I mm. thought that in so many ways that that script was so honest in revealing the realities of that yeah you can really uh, relate to the story despite being you don't have to be ill you don't have to have this experience no. it is really about life and I kind of love the, t the twist in the film that it's like bad romance like we have those films about girl who falls for the wrong boy and this is kind of like the first set for the film and then you, you kind of get deeper and deeper and, and move and you move with the mood as well yes. I also read that uh, you, you hired you cast Ben Mendelssohn because not of his big role but uh, the way you saw him dance at one of the scenes yeah, I, I went to see his most recent concert in Australia and it was all music videos projected and with different sort of famous artists in them and Ben was in one of them and it was a really um, very actually dark and moving um, music video with him with these huge sort of puppet arms on his shoulders and he was sort of battling his demons and it, it, it made me go, wow, I know he has great comedic timing but I, he also has such incredible emotional depth in that music video that I knew that he was right for Henry. Um, yeah. Now, with the... Because I, I, I think we're getting the, uh, the light. But, okay, but when... You know what I mean? You're putting this together, mm. and especially because I didn't like to Toby. I hated Toby for what he was doing. Yeah. I hated Toby, but I liked. There was aspects of Toby I liked, yeah. and like so, I you kind of figured like this thing was coming. Yeah. But then you fooled us. You fooled us, and the ending was so painful the ending was so painful but then the, the, then how it you know the last few scenes that we see that was so that was so good that was so good and, I, and yeah, needed like, it was important to go there I think you know you, you really feel connected to these characters in a way like like a really delicious novel where when it ends you just go I don't want to never see those people again that was what's yeah. so heartbreaking about the film I think 
um, you know, yes, it's also the story, but it's that you feel so close to them and then and then you're not with them anymore. And I also think that it's important with um, when you're dealing with, with emotion in, in, in any kind of work, it can't be manipulative and it can't be handheld. Like when it's when it pays off the most is when you've really earned that and then you also really allow people to have catharsis and to have it properly. And I needed that last scene as a coder. And also the reason I hold that shot for so long at the end is so that you can have, where if you have the wave, it can come at whichever time is right for you. And, and, and yeah. Was it the original ending or did you change it? There was actually one other scene. Ah. Uh-huh after that which um, we kind of always knew when we were shooting it might not might not stay but um, in my mind that last scene was always the last no, scene that, that yeah. was perfect the way it ended was perfect you killed right. us and then you brought us back great and yeah it worked and I think that's the thing if you just did it um, where, at the moment where I'd killed you it would be too much it, it's just actually not okay I think you do also have a responsibility to give people the right, the right headspace to digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you do incredible things with the music in the film. I so much love the music scenes and how it brings the emotions, and also it helps to brief us as the viewers yes. with this roller coaster and other things. And I just kind of really enjoy those scenes when I, I saw the the dance with the music. Yeah, uh, and I think as well, what people are responding to is the fact that, like, I do. I mean, you know, I use music in slightly different ways, say, um, and and I love that. I love experimenting. With, with songs but also because for me it was so much about capturing the musical world of where Miller's at and then also the classical world of where her family and her origins have been and so the collision of those two is always a really um, exciting kind of experiment for all of us but we all made playlists very early on that we would listen to constantly my editor my sound supervisor and my composer and we would play them all through pre-production and keep workshopping them and then because on the day I played the real songs for the party and for when she dances at Get Ons because I I think it's really important if you can to get the music mm. right early so that the actors are genuinely responding to that it makes a big difference yeah how can people keep track of what you're doing do you have like contact details and a release date because people need to see this? I know uh, you know what I don't have a release date which um, yeah I, ho- I you know hopefully soon would be wonderful and then in terms of contacts like I, I I have a website, but I don't think I even have email on that. I'm on Facebook. Facebook, well, that's fine. People there we go. I'm on, on Facebook. Yeah. Just under... Under my name. Perfect. Yeah. And it's a picture of baby teeth. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible having the opportunity to talk to you. And I, honestly, the film is magnificent. Thank so, you. well done. That's Congratulations. Very, very nice. Thank you. Okay, people, so yeah, there you go, um, you got, um, you know, we had the, the village in the woods, um, so remember, that will be out tomorrow, okay, so it's on digital download tomorrow, Monday the 14th of, um, October, uh, you will be able to get it, from, you know, just all your usual spots, so iTunes, Google Store, like, all those spots, you can pick it up from there, um, Amazon, you know, all of that, 
So grab that from tomorrow. Um, links are in the episode info. Then the Irishman people. Yeah, that great film. Again, all the information in the episode information. And if you want to kind of find out more about Shannon Murphy and Baby Teeth, all the info, people, in the episode info. So, yeah, that is us. That is us for, um, you know, our 12 days of the 63rd BFI London Film Festival. Gonna do a roundup show, so don't worry. That will be out tomorrow or Tuesday, something like that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, hope you have found all of this very helpful. It's given you all the info you needed. Um, and yeah, we're done. All right, peace.